You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians radio network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Everyone, welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you from Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas Indians and the Houston Astros meeting in a much-anticipated series and a stretch of games now where the Indians will play the Astros seven times in nine games with a couple of off days in there, but certainly something that uh, the Indians are looking forward to as they try and get things going in a more consistent manner as they headed into play over the weekend on Saturday one game under the 500 mark after a loss to Houston in the series opener on Friday night. Coming up on this week's show, we will hear from Trevor Bauer. He will talk spin rate, among other things. Francisco Lindor joins us as well, along with Tribe General Manager Mike Chernoff, and we'll have our weekly farm report with James Harris, the Indians' director of player development. But first, a look at the week gone by, and not the easiest of weeks for the Indians as it featured a pair of losses to the Detroit Tigers over at Comerica Park on Monday and Tuesday nights, a 6-3 to three defeat on Monday night, and then a game that got away, a game where the Indians were leading big on Tuesday night but ended up losing by a final score of 9-8 to eight, as once again that real trouble spot for the Indians in this first month-plus of the season has been the bullpen, and it had a tough time on Tuesday night. Now Wednesday, Indians in search of a win to salvage a win in that series against Detroit. The finale on Wednesday afternoon, and the Tribe jumped out to a 2-0 lead in the first inning thanks to a fielder's choice uh, choice RBI from Jose Ramirez and a sack fly from Francisco Lindor. And then in the fourth, with two outs, it was Eric Gonzalez keeping an inning alive and driving in a run. Here's the 1-0. Swung on, line drive, base hit. Left center field for Gonzalez. And he drives in Lindor with the Indians' third run. A two-out RBI single for Gonzalez, and the Tribe takes a 3-0 lead. He just seems so relaxed at the plate. And when a player says they're swinging the bat, well, you know the confidence is there, and sometimes that's half the battle. And for someone who hasn't played a whole lot, Eric Gonzalez has managed to maintain a great approach at the plate. And he drives in his seventh run on the season. Also in the fourth inning, Jason Kipnis came up with a big base hit. Carpenter delivers, and Kipnis drives one down the right field line. That's a fair ball headed toward the corner. On his way to third is Gonzalez. They're going to try and score him. He's rounding third on his way home, and the throw will be cut off. Gonzalez scores, and Kipnis is into second with an RBI double. 4-0 Indians. 
as Kipnis comes through with a two-out RBI base hit. And man, oh man, did he need that. Still in the fourth inning, still two down. The Indians kept it going with Roberto Perez. Here's the 2-2. Swung on, and that's Sky to shallow center. Sinking fast, base hit, Perez. Rounding third and scoring easily is Kipnis, and Roberto Perez comes through. 5-0 Tribe. Now Kipnis and Perez, who've really been struggling at the plate, come up big with two out RBI base hits. For Perez, that's his third RBI on the season. In the meantime, Trevor Bauer was rolling. He took a perfect game into the fifth inning. Bauer's into the wide. Here comes his 1-0. Swung on, line drive, base hit into right field, and there's the first base runner for Detroit. Yeah, a clean single anyway off of Bauer. Here's the pitch to Hicks. Swung on, ground ball to short. Up with it, Lindor to the bag for one. Kipnis to first, double play. Boy, Taylor made double play ground ball. And the beat goes on for Trevor Bauer. Then leading off the sixth inning, Michael Brantley added to the Indians' lead. Facing lefty Ryan Carpenter. First pitch swinging, he drives one high and deep to right. Way back there, home run, Michael Brantley. First pitch swinging here in the fifth inning. Michael Brantley gives the Indians a 6-0 lead. Number six on the year for Brantley. He's now two for three on the afternoon, and the Indians are really starting to tack on now on Ryan Carpenter. And then Bauer went back to work. Bauer with the hands at the belt, sets, lets it fly, and it's waved at. Greiner has struck out. Bauer has struck out 10. Goodness gracious. So Trevor Bauer with electric stuff today, and he now this year has had two games in which he has struck out 10 or more. He struck out 11 Texas Rangers at the end of April. And in the ninth inning, it was Cody Allen on to finish things off. 6 nothing Indians, ninth inning, the 2-2 offering. A swing and a miss, ball game. Cody Allen on a wicked curveball strikes out Nick Castellanos and strikes out the side. And the Indians get another shutout on a combined five hitter by Trevor Bauer and Cody Allen to blank the Tigers six to nothing. And the Indians have now thrown their fourth shutout of the year, and the Tigers have now been shut out six times. And we will hear more from Trevor Bauer a little bit later on in our show. But as the Indians went to Houston, they had an off day on Thursday in Houston, and then it was the opener of the three-game weekend series with the Astros at Men and Maid Park on Friday night. And prior to the ball game, Tom Hamilton checked in, as always, with Tribe Manager Terry Francona on the warm-up show, and they talked about the challenges of facing one of the best teams in baseball. Whew, what a juggernaut, Tito. I know you look at it one game at a time, but your next nine games are against these guys and the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, and that's kind of why we do look at it one day at a time. Because if you look at it 10 days, you're like, wow, that can kind of seem a little daunting, and we don't need that. So it's we'll have our hands full tonight, playing them tonight. You know, they got Morton going, and he has been, you know, one of you. You pick out any of those five guys, and they're all at the top of the league in statistics, and they deserve it. And this kid's right there with them. So we're gonna have our hands full there. But it's a heck of a lot easier thinking, okay, let's find a way to beat them tonight 
then, oh, man, maybe next week this could happen. There, there's no reason to do that. You know, isn't it something, Tito, a year ago at this time, I think everybody realized Houston was, was a really good ball club. It was their bullpen you talked so much about. It was so deep, so dominating. And the question was, do they have enough starting pitching? Well, they went out and got Justin Verlander um, to help them down the stretch. Then they go get Garrett Cole this offseason. That doesn't seem to be a question, does it? <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, in the World Series, their bullpen is what everybody was worried about. You know, it's just so funny how the game can work sometimes. But the two additions they made, you, you know, you talk about Verlander and Cole, and they have both been at the very top of the league. It's like adding two aces. That, you know, it's amazing what it does, not just on a day-day pitch, but for the rest of your rotation. Well, and you mentioned him a, a moment ago and Charlie Morton. I don't even know how many people know much about Charlie Morton. It's almost like he's reinvented himself. You make a good point. When he came here, whatever they did, you know, he went from kind of maybe a two-seamer at 90-91. Now he's throwing, you know, four-seamers, and he's getting after it, and he's holding his stuff, and he's come up with, whether it's a split or a change-up, whatever you want to call it, to go against left-handers, and it's really making him tough. You've been there. You won two World Series. You took the Indians, obviously, a couple of years ago. That following season can offer you some challenges. It doesn't look like it's bothered them. You know, I think it depends on who you have. You know, the hope is that, you know, it can go one of two ways, in my opinion. One, there can be a sense of entitlement, or guys can be, like, understand how much they enjoyed it and want to get back almost worse it looks to me like they picked number two. I mean, they really get after it. I remember last year facing them, and I know we talked about it, and we actually played really well against them, but they play till the last out. Sometimes they just run out of time, which is, you know, a good thing. But it, it was one of the things I was really impressed with was just how, how much they stay at it. Tito, we have seen the New York Yankees. We've not seen Boston yet. When you look at this Houston club, how do they match up? Are, are they as good? Is anybody right now, do you think, in the American League? Well, they might be better. I mean, they're so well-rounded. Um, but we're going to get a really good look this next week. So and in about another week's time, I'll have a much better report for you. But, again, that's why we let's just play tonight because they are good. And, and, and we should enjoy the challenges in front of us, not worry about what's down the road. Well, it seems like in your tenure, this is what we've seen from this ball club. Um, a lot of times you look at the Indians saying, ooh, this might not be the right time to be playing X, Y, and Z, and your club seems to respond to that challenge. Well, I think our guys do enjoy the challenge, and, and they should. I mean, going out to play against a really good team should be enjoyable. Now, we got to play good or it won't be that much fun. Well, Tito certainly knew what he was talking about in regards to Charlie Morton as Morton was outstanding on Friday night, holding the Indians to one run over seven innings, and the Astros won the ball game by a final score of four to one next up we'll hear from trevor bauer about his dominant outing on wednesday and also with the indians in houston you may recall that well bauer and the astros on twitter kind of like oil and water a little bit as uh, bauer talked about spin rate the astros took offense and we'll get trevor's thoughts on that as well when we return after this timeout as tribe talk continues on the cleveland clinic indians radio network Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Hey, 
Get your head in the game. This ain't no exhibition match. This is for real. You've got a house to insure, and there are no excuses because Progressive's Home Quote Explorer makes it easier than ever to get the coverage you need. Here's some music to get you pumped. Don't feel that confidence. Did I say stop saving money? No. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Beautiful ballpark. The roof was closed on Friday night. Probably will be for the day game here on Saturday and also Sunday night as it has been extremely unseasonably warm here in Houston. Temperatures in the mid-90s and with humidity, you're looking at heat indexes over 100. But that doesn't seem to matter as they close the roof. The air conditioning clicks on and and it's uh, comfortable for fans and players alike once they get down to baseball here at Minute Maid Park. Well, Trevor Bowers had an outstanding start to his season. Nine starts for Bauer. His record is only 3-3, three and three, but the earned run average is 2.59. He's thrown 59 innings and struck out 67 while walking just 21. He was at a high point certainly on Wednesday with eight scoreless innings, had a perfect game into the fifth. Everything was really coming together nicely, and uh, Bauer said it was all part of what has been a very good start to the season, something that he's been pleased with so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, Placed a high importance on getting deeper into the games this year, Um, trying to eat up more innings, um, and been happy to see the results uh, match with how I feel I'm throwing the ball. So it's been uh, it's been enjoyable so far on my end. You mentioned pitching deeper into games, and certainly strikeouts are important. How do you balance uh, going after strikeouts sometimes, which could drive up a pitch count, and then also trying to pitch deep into games? Strike people out on three pitches. <laughs> um, no, the most important thing to get, you know, you can't strike a person out until you get to two strikes. So if you throw strike one and strike two, then the numbers say I'm going to punch out anywhere between 40 and 60% in two-strike counts, depending on what count it is. So I don't really have to worry about it as long as I can get the two strikes as quickly as possible. And so that's been the emphasis, throw strike one, throw strike two. I haven't been great at it overall. Um, I can be better at that. So that's the that's the focus going forward is um, throw those two pitches, force them to put them in play, uh, and get some quick outs, and then also get my strikeouts as well. Trevor Bauer joining us, Indians in Houston tonight. And uh, Trevor, you look at back to spring training. I know you, you worked hard on your slider to, to try and get that going. How's that coming, and how's that fitting in with the other pitches that you throw? Yeah, uh, it's coming really well. I've had really good success with it, even though the pitch hasn't been what I wanted it to be um, or what I thought it was in the offseason until my last start, really. Um, but I threw like three or four really good ones uh, in the start against Kansas City. Uh, and even though that one didn't really turn out how I wanted it to, um, there was progress on the slider. And then the slider was really, really good against Detroit. Uh, I finally had the movement profile that I was looking for and um, was super effective. So I- I'm happy with that. Uh, I think I finally got the feel for it back and looking forward to rolling with that um, here from here on out. And you're part of a starting rotation that, that's off to a good start again. How enjoyable is it to be a, a part of this with with pitchers who kind of go about it differently, each one, but but all kind of get the same results. Yeah, it's great because we can compete with each other and we can, you know, kind of make fun of each other and uh, banter with each other about who's going to do better, who you know, who didn't live up to, to standards for a series or stuff like that. 
it's kind of interesting how like you can go seven innings and give up two runs and then you're the the worst one that series uh it's pretty pretty good um to, it's pretty cool to be a part of a starting rotation that has that much talent that much depth that much consistency you won't pitch here in Houston. Uh, this may be the easiest interview you do this weekend, but uh, I know you gained some notoriety for uh, your beliefs about spin rate and, and how certain pitchers are getting there. Uh, much ado about nothing, though, in terms of personally against pitchers on the Houston Astros? Yeah, I have nothing against any specific pitcher, um, any specific organization, nothing like that. Uh, they kind of got brought into it, I guess, because the way it evolved was, I guess the tweet was about an article that had one of their pitchers in it or something like that. I don't know. But I have nothing against any any pitcher or any organization. That's not the whole point of it. The whole point of the thing is, like, we didn't have the technology before to quantify how much of a benefit using foreign substances, substances can be. Now we do. We know how much of a benefit it can be. Um, and so it creates an unfair playing field. And it affects... Who, who gets a big league job and who doesn't? I mean, guys are getting signed based on the fact that their spin rate is X amount. Uh, so they're getting jobs over guys who don't have as high a spin rate. You got guys who are, you know, the results follow. Like, you just look at the numbers on, like, fastball spin rate. The higher your fastball spin rate, the more effective it is, you know, on a global level. So if some guys are using foreign substances and reaping the benefits, they get compensated more uh, monetarily and their teams are better off for it because they're more successful over the long haul of a season and then it puts guys like me in a tough situation where I, I don't want to use it because uh, it's against the rules you know when I had stitches on the back side of my pinky that were never going to touch the ball in the playoffs I wasn't allowed to use just some surgical glue reinforcement for the stitches so they wouldn't break open because it was technically a foreign substance but you have guys who are using foreign substances all the time in the game and getting the benefits of it and you know maybe have a job over other guys who don't or whatever so it's an unfair unfair playing field and that's my whole that's my whole point um we couldn't quantify it before we can now that's it well, trevor i appreciate you sharing enjoy the weekend thank you yeah thank you well that's trevor bauer always outspoken and always willing to, to share his thoughts and we certainly appreciate him talking about that here on tribe talk this week when we come back we'll hear from francisco lindor what a start he's had to the month of may We'll hear from Frankie when we come back after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Indians Warm-Up. Jim Rosenhouse back with you at Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas, where the Indians are taking on the Astros. A stretch of, of tough games for the Tribe, seven against Houston of the next nine, and the other two at Wrigley Field against the Chicago Cubs. Certainly a player who has been off to a great start this season and really has kicked it into the gear in the month of May has been shortstop Francisco Lindor. He came into play last night with the average up to 314 with a dozen homers and 27 runs driven in. Reason the average is over 300 after a, a first couple of weeks where he struggled in the month of May heading into play on Friday night. Lindor was hitting over 450 with eight home runs and 16 runs driven in. So it has been uh, quite a month for Lindor trying to keep that going here in Houston. And he took a little break recently. The Indians had an off day last week. And Lindor 
traveled down to Monteverde Academy in Orlando, Florida. That's the high school he went to. And while he was there, they had an assembly, and he shaved his head. How come, you say? Well, he had challenged his high school baseball team, and he does go back there, and he works out there a lot in the offseason. He challenged them before he left for spring training to go undefeated this season. And the kids took him up on that. They had a great year, and they did indeed go undefeated. And Frankie said if, if they did, he would shave his head. If they did not, they would have to come and, and uh, clean his house and, and do some other things around his house where uh, he maintains down in Florida. But uh, it was the other side. They went undefeated. Frankie had to shave his head. And uh, when we caught up with him, we asked him, what's going on there? Why did he do it? And uh, how did it go? Every offseason, that's why I train. I train at Mumber Academy. I get everything done over there. And I see the kids. You know, I, I, work, I practice before they get to the field. But once they're on the field, I sometimes spend some time with them. And I hang out with the, with the kids. And uh, he came across. I told him, if you guys go undefeated this year, I'll shave my head. Um, if you guys don't go undefeated, then you guys got to clean my house. And um, that was the bet. And you got to come through. They won. Now, you could have snuck down there and, and gotten it done, but it was an off day, and, and they had an assembly. What was that like going back there for that? It was pretty cool. Pretty cool seeing um, all the kids in the high school, um, and especially seeing the baseball players, how they reacted when they saw me. They had no idea I was coming in that day. Um, it was just it was cool. You know, it's, it's for the kids sending a message that once you um, do something in life, you got to come through with it. You know, no matter what, is you got you to gotta come through. you got to be a man of your word. Obviously a good season for them to go undefeated compared to some of the teams you were on, as good as some of them? No, no, no. They're, they're better than the, uh, when I was there. Um, they definitely got a good coaching staff, and they got a um, great group of guys, like, uh, young kids that uh, they work hard day in and day out, and they're definitely better. They, they would have grabbed our team my senior year, and they would have destroyed us. And I understand there's a, a Francisco Lindor waiting in the wings. Pretty good shortstop they have? Yeah, yeah, they got, they got a good shortstop over there that uh, – um, got a good chance of getting drafted in the first round, probably in the top ten picks. Um, God willing, he's, he's a great defensive shortstop. He can hit, he can run, he can, he's got a good arm. And the most important thing is a good kid. So I'm um, looking forward to the, to the draft for him, not only for him, but there's a couple other players that probably get drafted as well. Um, maybe in the first round, maybe in the top five rounds. Um, looking forward to the whole thing for them. Not everybody stays in touch with their high school as closely as you do. Why do you think you do that, and why is it important to you? Can't forget where you come from. Can't forget where you come from. I think kids are, are the future of the world, and um, if I can impact their life now, um, they're going to impact somebody else's life later on. They, maybe they might impact my kid's life one day, and uh, um, that's what it's all about, helping each other out and be there for each other. And personally, you're going through a real nice stretch at the plate of late. Uh, we were talking the other day just real simple as to the difference between going through a good stretch and then struggling for a little bit? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just it's a mindset changes a little bit. You're a little more positive when you're going good. Um, but it don't matter. You still got to work as hard as you can when you're going good. And when you're going bad, you got to work even just as hard. You know, it's as far as the game. And um, we understand that we're going to have ups and downs. It's just trying to limit those downs, try to keep it as, as, as minimal as possible. No superstitions with the new haircut? No, 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 not at all. Uh, uh, the hair has nothing to do with uh, performance. I, I got faith. I believe in God, and God has a plan for all of us. I think that's the biggest thing. Well, great reason for the new look, Frankie. Thanks. Thank you. That's Francisco Lindor, one of the best in the game, and off to a great start this season, having a wonderful month of May, as at times he has really carried the Indians offensively. We also had a chance to visit this week with Mike Chernoff, the Indians' general manager, and uh, we asked him about 
Uh, Jose Ramirez, our spotlight player on the week. But before we got to Jose, we did talk to Cherney about the long-term, short-term of what he's trying to do to get the bullpen back in shape as uh, things have been tough at the end of games so far. Well, I think as we started off the season, you know, Tito was clearly kind of searching for who was going to fill the role of Brian Shaw. As we've gotten into the past two weeks, uh, it's kind of snowballed on us a little bit. Um, you know, with Andrew com- with Andrew getting injured, um, we struggled to figure out how to piece it together to get to Cody. And once we got to Cody, he scuffled a little bit. So I think we look at that as a tough two-week stretch, and hopefully that's all it is and we can put that behind us after last night. I think our guys are looking to do that. Even after we put it behind us, I think we'll still be trying to figure out who can fill that role, who can step in, uh, either kind of mix and match or fill that seventh inning role for us to bridge to those two guys in the back end. I know you always try and look at internal options first. If, if you do get to that point where external options are the way to go, it, I know there are different cycles during the course of the year. Where are we at right now in terms of, of that facet of it? Yeah, I mean, we, we have cycled through a lot of guys recently in our bullpen just because of those tough, that double header, the 18 games in 17 days. That's a tough stretch to get through, especially when you're missing a guy like Andrew Miller for a portion of it. Um, luckily, we know those guys, Andrew and Cody, are going to be fine. They're great pitchers. Um, went through a little bit of a rough stretch here. Hopefully, we pull out of that. And then we'll have to figure out who internally can step into that role, whether it's a guy like Tyler Olson who kind of continues to build. Maybe Zach McAllister who's had a couple of really good outings recently or potentially some guys in the minor leagues that could step up. Mike Chernoff joining us, Indians general manager, shifting gears as we like to do every once in a while and uh, talk about a player who is obviously playing very well right now in Jose Ramirez. We'll talk about Jose Ramirez this week. When he was signed, not a high-dollar sign in the international market, yet he has become one of the the best infielders in baseball production-wise, hitting-wise. Explain what he had to overcome as a a low-dollar signee in in the early stages of his career and how he's done that. It it is such a great story uh, for kids in baseball, and especially even in our organization for some of our minor leaguers. You, You never know how good a player is going to be. And look, you have to make decisions and draft players or sign players internationally and give them signing bonuses, making the decision in that moment. Yet there's no ceiling ever on those players. And so we have a lot of examples on our team of guys who are sort of under the radar prospects coming up or low sign, low dollar signs that have gone on to blossom as great major leaguers, Kluber, Tomlin, Cody Allen, guys like that. Jose may be at the top of the charts of that group. I mean, he was a really low-dollar sign from the Dominican Republic, an older kid when he signed. Most guys sign when they're 16. He was a couple years older than that. Um, And he even struggled. You know, he he raked throughout the minor leagues, always showed great bat-to-ball skills, but really struggled when he first came up to the big leagues overcame that adversity and has turned himself into a superstar player it's a tremendous story organizationally for us because of his signing status i know sometimes those players don't get opportunities early on his first year or two in the minor leagues how did he get those opportunities and then what did he do with them he worked his tail off uh and he produced you know in the end um it doesn't matter what we signed a guy for. Once they're in our system, we treat every player the same. And, of course, you have to make decisions about who's starting in a game or opportunity. Jose always had opportunities, um, and he every time he was given an opportunity, he took advantage of it. So it's a great story about somebody her, who persevered, didn't get concerned about what he had been given in the past, and instead just looked forward. When did you get an idea of his competitiveness? 
he was a competitive guy throughout the minor leagues. I mean, it was it was clear. We got a lot of reports from our coordinators that would go in and the managers who had him that he's a baseball rat. He's got great instincts for the game, both in the field and, and at, uh, at the plate. I mean, incredible bat-to-ball skills at the plate. Extremely competitive bats all the way, extremely competitive at bats all the way through the system. Um, when we kind of got to see him more frequently up here, uh, despite struggling, you could see that he he always put up a good at bat, even if he wasn't uh, producing good results. So you could tell just that love of the game uh, and that sort of perseverance within his at bats to always get better. It's a really exciting guy to watch. Yeah, he is fun, Jose Ramirez, and we've been visiting with Mike Turnoff. Mike, thanks. Thanks, Rosie. That's Mike Chernoff, Indians general manager, talking about Jose Ramirez, who, like Francisco Lindor, is off to a well of a start. He's had a great month of May, and Ramirez headed into play last night with 13 home runs and 30 runs driven in. He has been among the league leaders in home runs most of this young season so far, so quite a year going for Ramirez. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll hear from James Harris. He's the Indians' Director of Player Development, the Weekly Farm Report to close out Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with a Progressive Box. I wrote this next song for a gal from Cheyenne. Should never have told her how Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats. She said if they could love her pooch as much as she did, then so could I. Well, I couldn't. This next song's called Cat Person. It was a rough, rough night in Wyoming. The cat was out of the bag. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Great to have you with us this weekend as uh, we join you for Tribe Baseball throughout the weekend. A day game on Saturday. That's a 4:10 Eastern time first pitch. And then a night game on Sunday. If you're looking for Indians baseball tomorrow afternoon, you'll have to wait until an 8:10 first pitch as the Indians are the ESPN Sunday night game this week here in Houston. Each week we visit with James Harris, the Indians' Director of Player Development. And uh, this week we talk AAA Columbus, starting with position players and beginning with Yandy Diaz, who we've seen a little bit at the major league level the past season and, and then some. We saw a lot of them in spring training. And uh, he's still very much on the radar as a top prospect. He has dealt with a minor injury, but we asked James what he's seeing from Diaz in terms of development, both offensively and defensively. Uh, so Yandy's a guy who who had a little bit of the injury bug with the with the cold weather and some tightness lower body, but now he's he's back in the lineup, and I mean he's a guy who's going to hit the ball extremely hard, and, and we're looking to refine that so that can play every day at the major league level, and he's he's working hard to to be able to do that. Um, defensively, he's played third base exclusively this year so far, and um, he's working day in and day out to 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 handle the high corner. I mean. It's the cool thing about AAA is you're getting guys who's going to hit the ball extremely hard, so he's getting the the ground balls and the plays uh, at third base that that will mimic what's happening in the big league. So he's he's working on that day in and day out. Another player certainly on heavy interest for the fans is Francisco Mejia, and I know he's dealt with some injury issues as well. But now, what are you seeing there from him? His first go round at the AAA level in his pro career. Yeah, I mean from him and and the catcher position in general. There's a lot that goes into it. I mean, as you've seen from him the past couple of years, 
I mean, he's he's succeeded at the plate. Uh, this year is no different, even though he's off to a little bit of a slow start. He's working his way out of that currently. But there's a lot of things at the AAA level, like um, working with our, our pitchers. And there's quite a bit of guys that are going up and down to the to the major leagues. So him developing race relationships and calling games and, and kind of managing the team from that aspect, all while tr- trying to stay hot offensively, is a challenge that you're going to have at, in Columbus as you prepare to, to go to Cleveland. And still some time in the outfield, it looks like. Is he showing much progress out there in, in terms of getting comfortable with a, a different position? It's coming for a guy who said behind the plate his, his entire career. Like, we just don't expect for him to walk out there and, and be Brantley or anyone like that. But he's definitely working through that. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing how that turns out. Moving on to the outfield and, and certainly – the Indians trying to build some depth there. They signed the veteran, Melky Cabrera. And, and what are you seeing from Cabrera in uh, still the very early stages at the AAA level? I think the great thing about him, even before he even touches the field, is what he brings to the clubhouse. When we first signed him, he went down to Arizona as he was uh, starting to work through some baseball shape. He came in in really good shape, but as he worked into some baseball shape, one of the things he did down there while he was there is he mentored the younger guys, showed them the right way to do stuff. He never came in with the major league attitude as if he would, had been there or done that. He came in with a beginner's mindset, showed those young guys what it looked like to work every day, and that was awesome. That was a big boost to our player development system. And now that he's in Columbus, he's picked up where he's left off, and um, we're excited to have him. We're, we're excited he's part of our team. And another uh, outfielder who we saw for a brief time in spring training has put up some really nice numbers to start the year. He's a veteran guy with major league time in Brandon Barnes. And what are you seeing from Barnes? Great thing about Barnes is like he came in and um, after offseason going through a swing adjustment, he came, came in through spring, worked through that a little bit, and has kind of refined it a little bit with the help of our hitting coaches. Um, and now he's in AAA, and he's seeing the benefits of that adjustment. So we're excited about that. He's been very versatile in the outfield. He's played both corners and center, um, and is also a great a great teammate and works his tail off. So um, we're excited about him and Melky, and we're excited that, that they can provide depth, depth at the major league level if called upon. James Harris joining us, Indians Director of Player Development, talking AAA Columbus. And on the pitching side, relievers we've seen most. Uh, one veteran that we haven't talked about a whole lot is Neil Ramirez. And what's he done at the AAA level to put himself in a good spot? One thing, I mean, outside of the the way he works and who he is as a teammate, he's also produced. So the guy has is, is, is come in. He's He's been a, a guy that we can, we can put in the game. But we know he's going to get out the changeup that he throws has has been fun to watch. And then him being able to compete out on the mound is is something that's going to provide us um, opportunities in Columbus, as well as hopefully give us some depth at the major league level. And a a much further pitcher away from the major leagues, but someone who certainly impressed in spring training is Cameron Hill. I know he dealt with an injury, but uh, what are you looking for from him? and, And how is that injury issue coming along in terms of getting back on the mound in a game spot? Yeah, we're hoping to see uh, Cameron Hill this week in the game in, in Columbus. Majority of the time since I've been here, he, he's been in Akron and kind of worked his way through the system. Uh, he was in big league camp this spring, had a little bit of some soreness coming out of camp, so we wanted to slow play him a little bit, but now he's ready to go. He's a bulldog out there. He's really fun to watch and an exciting guy. Um, so we're, we're hoping to see him make his debut this week. 
Starting pitching-wise, always looking for depth and uh, certainly a quick mover through the system is Shane Bieber, and uh, we talked about him at the AA level. He's had two starts now at the AAA level. What have you seen there in terms of, of adjustments that, that he's had to work through moving up a level, and what are the challenges that he sees? I think the main challenge that, that brings an adjustment is that the hitters are better. Shane is, is working through adding or being able to throw the, the next pitch, so he's been able to get by. Um, with a with not using his entire arsenal, but just getting the triple A, he's going to have to use it all, and he's going to have to use it all at the right time. And he's been he's been adjusting and doing that, and having some success along the way. The only difference is is that like like I said, guys are a little bit better up there, and so he's he's adjusting to that and doing well. And one other pitcher that we saw and throw very well in a major league game is Adam Plutko, and he, he's back at AAA. What does it mean, though, to, to any pitcher when, when they can go up, have success in the major leagues, even if they don't stick up there for whatever reason, and then come back to that AAA level and continue what they were doing? I think it provides a shot of confidence. So Plutko coming in, coming in from last year's injury um, started off, and every outing was better and better up to the point where he, was, he had, I believe it was seven no-hit innings. Um, before we pulled him for pitch count, and then he went up, was able to win a game for us here in Progressive Field, and then go go down and continue that same stuff. So, I mean, showing that his stuff works in Columbus, and he can help us win a game at the Cleveland level, can do nothing but add confidence uh, when he as he comes back down to Columbus to work. Well, a lot going on with the Indians AAA Ball Club, the Columbus Clippers. James, thanks so much for the update. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's James Harris, the Indians Director of Player Development, our weekly farm report. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us. We hope you can join us again next week when we will be back home at Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Again, the same opponent, the Houston Astros in town. What a series that should be. If you don't have your tickets yet, the Astros come in for four games. Go to Indians.com for your tickets. So until next week, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 